0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 19th of September 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here, as always, is my co-host, my able co-host, I must say, Dave.
1: Ready, willing, and able. Well, ready <laughs> and willing, anyway. Hey, Jan, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. End of the week. We're recording on a Friday today, so that's always a good day. It is indeed. It is indeed. And we're also gonna hope for a very short news only episode today, like we are like our listeners are used to us doing short episodes now since we started doing the new regime.
1: yeah, short. We're not very good at short. <laughs> but let's let's see how it goes.
0: yeah, maybe we should do a little apology for the the episode before this one about our little travel experiences. That one did run a bit long, but we discussed cutting it in half and making the two episodes, but I was against it. Because I kind of liked how the episode flowed, so we just left it as is. But we do uh, promise our listeners that we will try to keep it shorter a little bit in the future, starting today. Indeed. And with that... Without further ado, or should we talk about something else first? No, let's talk about the news articles we've thought to pick out this week. And uh, I'm going to go first, I think, because I found a little uh, article on MLEAP. It's called MLEAP, Providing Near Real-Time Data Science with Apache Spark. Now, regular listeners will possibly recall that we actually had the two people behind MLEAP, Mikhail and Holland, hi guys, on their, uh, on their podcast. And that was in episode 17 and 18 in June 2016. It's a long time ago. And it's good to see that the guys haven't uh, rested on their laurels. Uh, they've kept on improving the product and now on the medium.com website this article has appeared and it's been popping up in a couple of aggregator email aggregators as well so i thought it was uh, fun to just uh, take a look at them again and uh, talk about the subject for people that don't really know what mleap does uh it's uh, similar in function to a older technology called and i always say it wrongly but i'm gonna look it up first pmml correct which is an acronym standing for predictive model markup language and the function of these both of these uh, things is to Take the model that the data scientist has painstakingly improved, trained, iterated upon, and so on into production. Because if anybody has done this little, uh, little travel, little story of, of getting data, cleaning your data, getting your features, making a wonderful model, and then having to put it into production, you will have felt that that last step is not as smooth as you would have wanted it to be quite often people have to totally rebuild the whole logic chain to make a production model because the tools just aren't compatible. You can't just take your Jupyter notebook and put it in production somewhere. You have to do stuff to make this work. And up until, uh, well, a bit of a year ago, I guess... PMML was the only reasonable way to do this, but it wasn't very easy to work with. It had some limitations as well. It's a kind of serialization of your model, which you can then read into the PMML interface to make it a REST uh, API. So it does work, and it's been working for a lot of people uh, for for years, I guess. But nobody was really happy with it. So when uh, Holland and Mikhail came with MLEAP and presented this to the open source community, everybody was kind of happy and they've been improving it. And this article is actually written by a couple of guys from uh, Red Ventures. Uh, Corey Locklear, if I read it correctly, is the, the main author here. And he actually explains on how they were used to working with uh, PML, what the issues were with that. He goes into a little bit of detail, not really showing code, but he does explain why they were looking for something new, how they ended up looking at MLEAP, and how they were successfully, uh, successful at integrating their solution with MLEAP and uh, making it a lot more flexible and easy to work with. Some nice diagrams in the uh, in the article as well. So um yeah I mean
1: uh, so as as John mentioned you know we we spoke to you know some of the guys and Holland back in episode 17 and 18 um and it, it's it's really nice to see projects like this evolve. And I think one of the the things that, as we were talking about this uh, just before we started recording, um, it's now been expanded. It was very much focused around um, Spark and Spark ML before, mm-hmm. but now um, it expanded, expanded to support TensorFlow as well, which is one of those sort of deep learning frameworks that is definitely gaining some significant attention. It it's still sort of, a little bit on the, the early edges of enterprise adoption, but, you know, the, there's a lot of, uh, certainly an ever-increasing uh, amount of interest
0: in it, um, yeah, in the enterprise. Yeah, you had the uh, old, gray, uh, experienced guys, the Café and the Tiano, who were... Uh, the first real frameworks out there. Mm-hmm. TensorFlow from Google really changed a lot there. And uh, CNTK is also one of the new versions, which make it a lot easier to have code written for non-GPU environments and easily port them to GPU by just adding a flag to the execution, for example. So yep. that makes it a lot easier. And also these things kind of talk to each other. I know that uh, Facebook also has a uh, deep learning model and I read an article, and I should have had it for the episode, actually. I'm just remembering it now, too late. It's going to be for the next episode, I guess, about the uh, Facebook deep learning model and CNTK uh kind of joining forces in not not that they're going to do the same thing, but that there's a kind of abstraction layer above it where you can import models from one to the other. Again, to make uh, this okay. easier to use. Because at the moment, if you're doing something in TensorFlow or in CAFE or in CNTK, you're kind of stuck with that environment at that point you can always reprogram it of course but it's not that easy we have to do it again because the simple not just the syntax is different but also the way these models expect things to be f- set up is different
1: yeah yeah completely um, different um yeah. abstract, you know there's no there's no centralized abstraction layer now but
0: well, there's been an attempt with keras and keras uh, kind of supports oh i don't know by heart i was going to say cafe teano and TensorFlow, but don't kill me if I'm wrong. But there mm-hmm. a couple of them are under there already. But again, because it's an extra layer, you kind of have to give up some flexibility. Yeah. And not everything was under there. So this is a new way but just Facebook and CNTK uh, doing a similar kind of thing. So there is apparently a little bit of a push, a bit of a move towards having a single call on API, for lack of a better word. And if the guys from MLEAP are able to put TensorFlow under there now, well, if they can also uh, take advantage of those kind of uh, uh, movements, then, uh, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit at that point. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, and I li- uh, read a little bit in the documentation site as well, and uh, it's actually just, the, what they kind of make a, uh, uh, I'm not sure what the name is, they give it, they make a single module which they read they assemble themselves through their MLEAP product and that's the model you put online and that model will encapsulate both this uh, ML, the Spark, the TensorFlow, it's all in one uh, little yeah module. So uh, okay. So complete complete object sort of mm-hmm. code generation. Yeah, 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 mm. So uh very nice. Very I'm very happy that it's going forward. They actually also have a little company built now. It's called Combust, I think. But the software is still fully open source. It's all on GitHub. You can just download it. As far as I know, it's still not embedded in any kind of distribution. Uh, nor HortonWorks, nor Cloudera, or Mappar or anybody else is shipping it out of the box. As far as I know. But if these guys are keeping their pro- keeping uh, evolving like this, then I would not be surprised to see it pop up here or there. On the mm-hmm. other hand, PML had also has never been shipped with the uh, distribution. So.
1: Uh, yeah, it's always been something that people have bolted on and used afterwards,
0: isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's just, it's basically just a library and some distribution stuff, while the MLEAP is more of a workflow thing. So yeah, it would make more sense to have MLEAP in a distribution than PML, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. But possibly the fact that MLEAP isn't Apache at the moment is a bit of a, a stumbling block for that.
1: Maybe, but then, I mean... I was having a, a completely different conversation about um, projects in Apache or not in Apache with um, someone else earlier on in the week, and one of the things that was brought up is essentially Apache is Apache is not for everything. Apache is really good if you've got um, something with a, a a real production use case, heavy use in production, um, a very deep and varied community in it and then putting something into Apache and wrapping that extra governance around it and that extra visibility can help take it to the next level. But you you need to have something that's already reasonably mature, uh, projects that sort of start off in Apache perhaps before they've reached that level. Maybe don't do so well because they're applying a bit too much rigor to them a bit too early in their development process. So, I think interesting view I hadn't really considered before.
0: it uh, makes sense, but that's, that doesn't really invalidate my question if it's if they should go to Apache or not. Because if you look at now that they're uh, expanding and incorporating TensorFlow, mm-hmm. they will start to need more community effort to make the product uh, stable and growing. So I know if I'm a developer and I want to do something in open source, I will look at Apache things first because it has a hint of longevity in there. If it's uh, and I'm totally doing them a disservice here, but if it's just two guys making some cool software, it doesn't have that same gravitas, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. So from that point. But again, it's uh, their choice. And uh, you're totally right. Some things just go way too fast to Apache and then fizzle out because they didn't have a stable base yet. Yep. But anyway, Emily, if you haven't looked at it yet, have a listen at our episode 1718 for more information because the two guys actually talk about it in depth in those episodes. And uh, if you want a more recent uh, real-life experience from somebody, then this article uh, actually goes into... Yeah, sufficient uh, detail to give you a good idea if this is something you should look at or not very good so that's Emily. and
1: hey to michael and holland
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should have them back on the show because apparently they've done some new stuff so maybe they can come and come on the podcast and give us an update so michael yeah. and holland if you hear us get in touch <laughs> Okay, moving on. Uh, Second thing I want to talk about is a uh, happy announcement from Apache Atlas. They've uh, apparently just released version 0.8.1. And now we're not really talking about every single release of every single piece of software out there, but we have been talking about Apache Atlas. And in our prediction show almost a year ago, we, uh, at least I, I'm not sure about your stance was, but I was kind of, uh, yeah, gloom and doom about the future of Atlas because not much was happening there. But then, of course, the announcement came that IBM is going to going deep in Atlas and has apparently contributed a lot of uh, updates and changes. And this, I think, is the first release that has a lot of that stuff in there. And I took a look at the, uh, release, um, uh, cadence, release history, let's say, for Atlas. And it uh, really has shifted as well, because where the 0567, uh, releases had about six months in between. Mm, yeah. This 0.8, uh, was released three months after, uh, 071. The 081 is again a bit longer because we're now September and that's from uh, March. So that's again six months. But there does seem to be some kind of acceleration in there, which is definitely a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the zero 08 branch as a whole, um, yeah, I think I'm saying this. The zero 08 branch as a whole is the, the piece that's bought the brand new APIs. And I think one of the one of the challenges that people had with earlier versions of Atlas was integrating. Um, yeah, you know, a number of organisations did manage to successfully integrate with Atlas, like Waterline and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, Data Guys, I think, is another one. Um, but there was, you know, a handful of of products were reasonably well integrated, but there were quite a few challenges along the way. And I think that was the Atlas team recognised that, and in working with. Um, both those partners and also, as you mentioned, sort of IBM, um, really recognised the need for a, a complete refresh of the the API. And I think they made a fairly bold move to really change the way that that was doing, expose a lot more functionality through the APIs. Um, and uh, you know, this the sort of zero eight one I think is the first. I think that's the first major release that's had all of these core API changes in. So I think you're going to start to see quite a few interesting integrations, not least of which is going to be the sort of some of the IBM
0: um, components coming forward. Yeah, I really hope that we actually see some stuff appearing on the Internet because I've actually had in the last three to two, three months, Uh multiple customers uh, approaching me and colleagues approaching me about just yeah, this Atlas thing that's dead. It, it's going away. So they really have to do a bit of marketing here because I'm not sure who's, uh, maybe somebody is spreading FUD out there. I don't know. But uh they need to have, they need to put their mark on the map again so that people know that they're still alive and actually uh, improving stuff. Because to be frankly honest, uh, that's twice the same word, um, there isn't that much alternatives to Atlas when you look at big data and governance.
1: No, indeed. It's uh, very much a... There's a, a bunch of additional components that will give you some sort of life cycle mm-hmm. for the piece that they manage, but there's there's very little in the way of... Overarching. Over, exactly, yeah. that overarching picture yeah. and that pluggability into a wider variety of, a wider ecosystem of tools. Yeah, And it's very
0: necessary because one of the fears that a lot of big companies have to approach things like Hadoop is this is such a big, well, the zoo of all the little components. How how am I going to get a grip on that? How am I going to get control on that? And if you don't have a nice uh, governance thing, which we basically still don't have because Atlas is getting there, but it's still 0.8, so it's not really a 1.0 release. So it's still, uh, for me at least, something that's becoming... So we really need something here, and any kind of news that uh, Atlas is going away without anything else coming in, in, in its place is just bad news in general.
1: Yeah, I, I very much think Atlas is is here to stay, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, I think there's. Yeah, there's. There is fud, and there will always be fud, and that's just the way things go. It's. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. our job as purveyors of truth <laughs> and light to. Uh, Bring, bring the news to the darkness.
0: Which is why I put it on the podcast here today.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> Your master's line, everybody. Public service to the people.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Dave just uh, along for the ride.
1: Uh, pretty much, yeah.
0: Oh, did you have something for today?
1: Um, I may have something to talk about, I think. I think I think it's probably worth talking about. Um, so, HDP 262 uh, was released not too long ago. Um, a week or so ago, I think, um, probably a couple of weeks by the time you hear this on the air, um, and you know, as as with all new point releases, you know, it's it's primarily about um, sort of a, a range of of bug fixes, stabilizations. Um, Not so much about, you know, significant new features. There are a few things. So um, uh, beefing up some of the um, dynamic tag-based column masking for Ranger, um, Spark 2 connections for Phoenix, uh, Rack Awareness for Kafka, things like that. But the really interesting thing is if you look at the release notes, and we'll put a link into uh, uh, into the episode notes, um, you will see that the very first page talks about component differences between HDP and IOP, fixed issues specifically related to upgrading from IOP, and known issues specifically upgrading related to upgrading from IOP. But what is uh, I, this IOP thing? Exactly. That's going to be my very next point. IOP, IBM's open platform, or essentially big insights for for those that know it by another name so iop is ibm's hadoop distribution and uh, this sort of hdp 262 release is really the first uh, release where you will actually have iop uh, customers giving them the ability to migrate from iop to hdp so I, i think it's a uh, despite the fact that it's a you know it's a minor point release, it's primarily, as say, bug fixes, stabilization, and a few minor features. It's really, really important from a you know it's changing the face of of the uh, the Hadoop sort of distribution and ecosystem side of things, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So this basically um,
0: means that uh, big Insights or IOP disappears at that point. They're, they're not even going to rebrand. They're just going to become HDP, pure and simple.
1: That's correct. Yeah, uh, IOP is uh, you know there's no more no more investment going into IOP. IBM are you know fully behind HDP as their Hadoop layer now. Mm-hmm. And over the course of you know, organisations work at different speeds, but uh, over the course of the next you know year or a couple of years probably for some organisations, um, they'll be transitioning all of them from IOP to HDP. So. Um, a milestone, I think, in that particular case. Um, if, if you are, by the way, out there and you are a, an IOP or Big Insight customer um, and you're interested in understanding a little bit more about what the process is, um, if you check out the, the docs Uh, and actually we we can include a link to this as well, there is actually an IOP to HDP specific migration guide um, that talks about the various different steps. And, you know, a lot of it's, as you might expect, driven through Ambari. Um, There's a few elements that are essentially deprecated in the move from iop to hdp um and then th- it does talk a little bit about some of the things that some of the, the ibm value adds, like big sequel and those sorts of elements as well but i think it's uh, it's uh, another another interesting milestone you know it's definitely not the the be all and end all things will continue to march on from here but
0: uh, yeah interesting times yeah it's a bit of a step forward in the consolidation of the ecosystem let's say Mm -hmm, with less fragmentation. It's also good. And one of the biggest advantages today is the fact that Atlas, which we talked about uh, just now, gets uh, IBM behind it now as part of HDP. So that's fine. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I also see that if I'm looking at the components upgraded and components new, uh, then looking at it, it appears that the IOP was still running Hive 1.2.1. 1. Yeah, yeah. So it's that that's now been upgraded to 1.2.1000. <laughs> Interesting name. <laughs> but more importantly, also added to it, of course, is now Hive 2 with two yeah. one zero. So that's really that that's that's not just a little upgrade. That's
1: a big difference yeah a significant improvement and i think the um, we will probably have uh we did an episode a while back actually which was um which was sequel on hadoop wasn't it sequel sequel engines on hadoop and we mm-hmm. we sort of covered all of them um well most <laughs> well yeah there's a lot of them out there but i think we you know it it might be time in the not too distant future to do something similar again maybe distill it down to just, uh, you know, maybe BigSQL, Hive, and Impala or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting times.
0: Yeah, and uh, things move forward. Do you have any view on, I mean, uh, Big Insights, of course, was the Hadoop layer underneath, which was pretty, yeah, generic Hadoop, if I, if that's a word I can use. But yeah. uh, IBM had a lot of uh, layered products on top of that to do the, the analytics and insights from the data and stuff. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're... N- maybe not rebuilding but changing that to work well on HDP.
1: so yeah that's that's all coming along with with this uh this joint engineering work so the so for example they've got uh, dsX their data science experience mm-hmm. um that's you yeah, know that's actually uh being modified to work uh, directly with HDP mm-hmm. right now their latest version released probably three or four three weeks ago i think um things like uh, their spectrum scale storage same same sort of story there um obviously you know we we had the announcements earlier on the year with the IBM power hardware um and the you know that that story there so that's been sort of hdp on power um there was one other thing that was immediately coming across. I did I already mention Big Sequel in that particular list? Not in this last list, but you talked no, about okay. it earlier
0: when you talked about yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: So, for us. Think, yeah, so I think that might be the might be the fourth immediate element that's coming across, which is uh, IBM Big Sequel. So, um, there are a few others that are definitely coming down the pipeline. Obviously, IBM has a a big. AI and uh, and uh, cloud play as well mm-hmm. and you'll see you know more and more of that coming down uh, as things progress but yeah it, it's I think the the four sort of core pillars are, are already either across or will be across you know almost immediately mm-hmm. uh, probably by the time this podcast episode goes live. <laughs> Um, and then the rest of the the rest of the sort of the engine, the wheels are turning. The joint engineering is uh, definitely in full throttle, and yeah, I think we'll see the rest of those components start to to pop up and be available within HDP, or well, as additions to HDP. Um, pretty soon so
0: yeah yeah but it's going to be a full stack upgrade for customers it's not that late. they can keep on using the the the, the, the data science part and just f- swap iop for http underneath
1: correct the correct data. i mean there's 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 going to be there's going to be updates needed just to make that integration work yeah, properly sure. so yeah people will have to go through and i'm guessing that the the order of that is likely to be well, I guess – well, I don't know, actually. I, I would I'd speculate. but hey,
0: might make sense to have someone from IBM on the show to just uh, talk about this. Indeed,
1: it might. Indeed, it might. I'm Maybe sure should,
0: we uh, can. go into your little black book my of little, contacts.
1: My little blue book. Oh, sorry, blue book. <laughs> <laughs> well, IBM That's makes red I book. That. so. <laughs> uh, see, I, I've got a green book because of all yeah. words. But, you know, I keep a special blue book for IBM people. Oh. Anyway, yeah, I'm sure we could do that, uh, and in fact, I have someone in mind that I presented with only earlier on this
0: week. So keep it in mind, make it out. Indeed. So yeah, that's that's all I had from me. Exciting times, mm-hmm. and keeping with in that. The, yeah, we keeping it short today. It's going to happen. Yep. It's going to work. It's all Great. the time you have for today. Hey, I did it. We hope you enjoyed the serving of bite-sized big data news. We will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, until then, excuse me. go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at tag and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Send us any thoughts, criticisms, comments and other feedback. Until next week, my name is Jon. My name is Dave. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. See you.